We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Friday night after the Wolves lost by 31 points to James Harden, Joel Embiid, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Final score was Wolves 102, Sixers 133. I think what we've come to learn about this Wolves team this season is that they can compete with top 10 teams in the league, but In order to do that, and in order to get a win over that caliber of team, they need to be clicking on all cylinders. Not a lot of margin for error. Uh, Lately, with this team, obviously the cylinder that has been down is the defense. And while the offense has been good, the defense has been bad. But when I think about when the Wolves were clicking on all cylinders in the first half of the season, I think about the starting lineup. You know, they had this ability with that starting five once they put it together to just punch first. That D'Lo, Pat Bev, Ant, Vando, Cat starting five was it was just a lot to handle for a lot of teams, and most teams were not handling it. Back in December, we talked extensively about how that starting group was killing people. I mean, before the turn of the year, January 1st, um, when those five starters were on the floor together, the Wolves were outscoring their opponents by 49.6 points per 100 possessions. Insane. They're not clicking on all cylinders anymore because that isn't happening. And it's not even that that group has kind of regressed back to earth. I mean, they're actually getting outscored. The Wolves have been outscored with the starters on the floor since January 1st. They went from a net rating of plus 49.6 through December to a net rating of minus 2.8 since the start of January. In that time period, I guess just for context, I, I pulled up the starting groups um, that have played 150 minutes together over that time. And the only groups that are worse than the Wolves starting five are Houston starters and the Orlando Magic starters. So, you know, what's going on? (laughs) What's going on with this group? After the game, Chris Finch said the starting group has regressed. That's the word he used because they're trying to take offensive shortcuts is what Finch said. You know, they're not getting into the early concepts of their offense. Kind of like hero ball, trying to make home run plays rather than just getting into their flow. 
I think as a whole in this time period where the starters have been getting outscored when they're on the floor, the Wolves, well, the Wolves as a whole have not been getting outscored. As a team, they have the eighth best net rating in the league in this time. But it's just not at all that positive point differential is not at all coming from the starters. The offense has been substantially better when it's not the starters, and the defense has been better too. Cat talked about it after tonight's game about how the starters are trying to find themselves and and the bench groups are more often than not the ones showing the starters the way. Here's Cat. Carl Coach was saying how he's kind of noticed in recent games, especially this one, that the, the starting group has not had the same rhythm offensively. Uh, what does it feel like to you out there? Do you feel like you know something's missing that way or wow the statue was uh, we just got to find ourselves. Uh, this doesn't feel like an interview. What's it feel like we're talking? Um, I feel like y'all know better than – y'all have been around longer than I have with NBA basketball. Y'all have seen it clear to you, everyone here. And I don't want to chalk it up to, like, you know, we're just getting our rhythm back. It's all-star break. You know, we were so hot. Then we had a week off. and Everyone was doing their own thing. And now we're trying to come back together real quick to get it going again. Um, you know, it's just just got to find that. I think that this has been something that has been trending for a while. I think we've been talking a lot after games about how the bench that saved us and brought us in the game, somehow the starters find a way to win the game at the end, or it's Jalen and Well we're talking about, or or – TP was was amazing before the break. He's still going strong. So I think for us this, as starters, we just got to find ourselves. Um, we got to find ourselves uh, implementing the identity we say we want to have instead of the bench showing us how it's done. I think that's probably the easiest way to answer that question is that the bench can't be the one showing the starters how to get it done. So we got to step our game up, including myself, not the rust off. Uh, we don't have no time to waste. We don't have no time to to drop games in the, in the in the light of oh a moral victory you know we did this we don't have no more time for moral victories we gotta get the win so I don't want to use that excuse of oh after all star break happened we come in we're a little rusty we're gonna get our rhythm back and stuff like we're not a position like other teams where you know, you're a top three seed and you can afford to lose some games and get get your stuff right so. We just got we we got to get the job done. Coach is uh, is right. We got to be better. I got to be better. I got to go back to, <clears throat> you know, I came out of All Star break. First opinion, been shooting a lot, and uh, I don't think y'all want to hear that. I think fans want to hear that. But I got to find myself in these you know, one. Yesterday we played great defense. That that's the reason we won. We played great offense. We played great defense tonight. Our offense didn't show up. It led to a lot of transitions. They had a bunch of transition points on us. Um, I just think that we got to uh, – I got to get back to getting the ball in people's hands and, and opportunity places where they could succeed. And I got to do a better job of that because right now, shooting the ball at a high clip these last two games, and uh, the offense just hasn't been great. So I got to watch tape. You know, I got to find a way to be as aggressive as I would like to be while also – I'm not sure why the balance of shots versus ball movement with that group has been off for the path past what month plus, but I do feel like I know why it was off tonight. I mean, it's pretty clear to me that when cat is guarded by the opposing power forward and the center comes over for that 
lurking double team. It just completely stagnates the Wolves' offense, and that's what we saw Philly do tonight. Just like Rudy Gobert does when he plays the Wolves, Joel Embiid was that lurking center tonight off of Vanderbilt. Tobias Harris was matched up with Cat, and Embiid, I mean, Embiid is just a hell of a lurker, just like Gobert. Like that's that's tough. It, it broke it broke the Wolves' offense tonight, and actually got Finch to pitch the whole starting unit together um, after the first half. Vanderbilt only played the first two and a half minutes of the third quarter, and then Finch didn't bring him back in at all. When he was asked about it after the game, Finch said that wasn't an injury. It wasn't a rest or anything like that. He said it was about forcing Philly to, quote, guard them more honestly. With Vando, when they're, the other teams are doing that defense, they're just not guarding him honestly. They Finch went with McDaniels instead of Vanderbilt because they wanted to make wanted to make it so that the guy Embiid was lurking off of was at least somewhat of an offensive threat. So they go with McDaniels, who actually I thought played really well tonight. But at the same time, no Vando, that leaves you to only play McDaniels and Torian Prince at power forward. I mean, that gives you more offense, of course, but it carries this opportunity cost of now playing, needing to play very small against a very big team. I mean, it's it's been a while since we've seen this lurking double thing on Cat really hurt them. But when it is a center of Gobert's caliber or Embiid's cal- caliber, it really it just really has the ability to kind of break the Wolves' offense. I thought it I thought it broke them tonight. I I asked Cat about that concept after tonight's game. It put Tobias on you in the second half of the last time you played them. I'm curious if you're coming into this game thinking, yeah, so then how does that change your approach coming into the game? I just imagine that's a pretty different landscape. Yeah, I mean, it's a different game type for sure. And, you know, it's just just a different game type, honestly. We did some different things offensively, and uh, it worked. And and then it just, you know, the game was just telling us, you know, and then we had – they double team me on the post, make the pass, have some good looks. We just didn't make it. Seems like that would be the situation where it would lead to a lot of the you know cutters and, and easy buckets like that. But what seems to happen is you still score in those situations, and the rest of the half court offense kind of kind yeah. of slows down. But that, that, that just doesn't seem to line up. Yeah, I I gotta watch the tape honestly because I want to see exactly what's happening. I just know from my perspective, and I could be wrong. I haven't watched the tape. I'm just telling you what I saw in the game, how I felt in the game. Uh, post-ups, I felt in great position. I had a good time. I seen Joel B come in the double, uh, just try to make the pass. And, uh, you know, sometimes the shots didn't go in. And, you know, I get it. I honestly could say I got a little, you know, hey, you know, it's not going to go. I'm going to try to be really aggressive. So try to break the double team, maybe go quicker, try to shot. Today wasn't my day. Um, I was due for one, so, you know, I just had a lot of in-and-outs. I had a bunch of in-and-outs yesterday. Got bit, they, they bit me an ass today, you know. I just couldn't find myself with the ball. Actually, we're running a lot right now. So, you know, it, it, it's difficult when, you know, you pass and then just things, we we just weren't hitting shots today. And then I, on the same hand, when I'm trying to be aggressive, wasn't hitting it. It's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword playing with at that point. It's just tough. I mean, when teams guard Cat this way, the answer to solving that, as Cat said right there, is just 
guys around him making shots. And that's tough because that's what that's what that's really saying is, is we need more offense out of the Vandos, the McDaniels, the Torian Princes. And that's just not really their games. It's tough to rely on. I'm not saying that's the wrong answer to this problem. It's it's probably it probably is the solution. It's just an unfortunate answer to a pretty big problem that the Wolves are facing. In in my opinion, this is very clearly the Wolves kryptonite. It it has been all season. They've they've handled it at, at times better than others, you know, mostly just hitting shots or finding those cutters, but for me when I'm watching these games, it really does blow my mind when teams don't guard the Wolves this way. Like, yeah, I, I think some teams just come into it and they say, you know, we have a foundation for our defense and just decide we want to prioritize those principles over doubling cat that way because it's weird. You know, and I'm not a coach, so I, I guess I don't understand what the value is in keeping to your defensive principles and that sort of thing, but I just don't get it. It's, hundred percent what I would do if I was if I was playing against the Wolves. I just don't know I, I don't know how you can do a deep dive scouting the Wolves and not come to the conclusion that this is the best plan for guarding them. And what's concerning for me about that is I think deep dive scouts are coming. I mean with the playoffs right around the corner there will just be more extensive scouting on the Wolves and in the playoffs you repeatedly pick on what your opponent's can't do well or can't handle well. And I think most teams will come to the conclusion that this is the best plan. Guard Cat with a small and bring the center over for the double. I mean, if the Wolves draw the Clippers in the play-in game, in the play-in match before the actual playoffs, I mean, Ty Lue will 100% run that against Cat. Guard him with Batum, bring Zubats over for the double, or somehow they wind up with the Utah Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. It'll be the same thing. They'll guard Cat with Bogdanovich, and then they'll bring Gobert over for the double. That's yet another reason why I think Memphis is the ideal matchup for the Wolves, because they don't guard Cat that way. I don't know. I, I just... I think... I think when I will think back on this Wolves season, you know, three years from now or whatever, this this will be the one thing that really sticks out to me. I will remember this. I'll be like, oh yeah, twenty the 2021-22 season, the year that Cat got doubled by Vando's guy all season. You know, kind of like how we remember in what was that, 2018-19, the year where Cat just stood at the top of the key and bombed 10 threes a game. You know, it's like it's that image. <laughs> it's it's becoming the half-court image that has kind of come to define the Wolves half-court offense this season. That look of Cat on the block and the big lurking over to double. All right, let's mix in a break here and then come back with some more uh, specifics from tonight's game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 31-point home loss on Friday night to the Sixers. I found myself for like a minute... Uh, tonight after this one, comparing this loss in my mind to the game from a few years ago in Philadelphia where the Wolves lost by 42. You know, Jimmy Butler's on that Sixers team. It was the it was the first time the Wolves were playing Butler since the trade. And I was at that game in, in Philadelphia and I remember like, interviewing the players in the locker room after that game. And there was just a very defeated vibe, but more so than a we just got destroyed one game vibe. It it felt like things were falling apart. Remember, Jeff Teague was very eager to voice his frustrations and just say, like, this ain't it. That Wolves team, though, that Wolves team that got punked by the Sixers a few years ago was in a very different place than this Wolves team is. I, I didn't get the sense at all from Finch and from the players after the game, even though they were frustrated. I just didn't get the sense at all that this was a the sky is falling sort of moment at all. I, I don't think the sky is falling. I think they know that. I, I do, though, think they came into this game tonight thinking they were going to win. I think they really wanted it. I think they expected it. And so the mood, more so to me, the mood like reacting to the result, more so to me was surprise. You know, surprise with the result more so than it was feeling broken by the result, if that makes sense. And that's because I think they know what they're doing wrong. Now, do I know they'll fix it? No, but I think we know the things that are going wrong for this team. Obviously, we just went into the whole getting doubled in the half-court offense sort of thing. Uh, they also know the deep defensive identity has gone away. They know that's wrong. And then I think it's no secret to anyone that Anthony Edwards has gone away. They think everyone on that team knows that's wrong and that that is something that needs to change. At halftime tonight, again, you look at the stat sheet, Nant only has four points, which meant that at that time, at halftime, that Ant had only scored 24 total points over his past three and a half games. He was three for 10 in the Charlotte game, 0 for 8 in the Toronto game, 1 for 11 in the Memphis game, and then 2 of 7 at halftime tonight. That right, that's six of 36, one of 19 from three, and five of 17 from two. The good news, it, those are not good numbers, but the good news is that Ant did come to life a little bit in the third quarter tonight. Now, in the third, Ant he had an easy transition dunk, he hit a three, he got to the free throw line a little bit, scored 10 points in that quarter alone. He, he looked like himself again. Unfortunately, that went away. In the fourth quarter, he only had one point. So 
I wouldn't go so far as say he's back, but I think it was meaningful that Ant was able to show something after a whole lot of nothing for the past few weeks. But also when we're talking about these cylinders that need to click or ignite, whatever, like Ant needs to start firing for this team. He, he just does. One other thing that stood out to me um, from the game as I was thinking about it after, it's, it's a little bit harder to, to talk about this team for a half hour after a loss. Um, but one thing that came to my mind just during the game that I wanted to make sure to talk about was I, I felt like they really missed Malik Beasley tonight, who who missed his first game of the season uh, with an illness tonight, non-COVID illness, uh, which I hadn't really felt or, or thought that before. And I thought it was actually pretty interesting how his absence kind of highlighted the value that he does bring to this team. I found myself tonight, you know, watching the starters either like, you know, fall back a, a further deficit or like at best keep pace with the Sixers when they were out there. And I actually, I said it to Britt. I was like, is there, you know, is there any way that, you know, the bench can bring them back into this at all? Can they cut into the deficit before, you know, before it got out of hand? And, and the, the solution of the reality we kind of came to was like, without Beasley, like the answer is no, they, they can't, they can't make a run with on the bench without that offensive firepower. Now, I, I completely also acknowledge the possibility that if Beasley would have played in this game, he very well could have posted, you know, one for nine shooting from deep. We've, we've seen that a lot. But what I'm talking about is the other side of it. We have seen the other side. We have seen Beasley have good shooting games, good shooting halves. I mean, we saw it. We saw it on Thursday night against Memphis. Beasley made five of his six threes in the second half. Beasley is a volatile player, but he does present the chance of significant offensive upside just given how he plays and I feel I feel like I'd kind of forgotten about that I asked Finch after the game about this sort of dynamic without Beasley tonight and pretty sure Malik has played every game this season prior to tonight kind of a big part of that second unit identity um in what ways did you miss that offensive spark tonight did you think I mean you know we missed some good looks maybe you know the benefit of that um you know, that second unit does much better about the job of moving the ball and finding each other. Um, and, uh, but, you know, you know Jalen had a chance to come in and help us tonight and uh, didn't, didn't really, you know, um, not, you know, but it's hard sometimes to come in like that when you haven't played for a while. It was interesting how Beasley, his absence did make it so, I, Jalen Noel got to play. So, you know, the one thing that I think a lot of fans have been clamoring for to happen, happened. You know, Noel in the Beasley role. It was only one game, but, you know, it obviously didn't work as hoped. The Wolves were outscored by 21 points in the 16 minutes that Noel played. You'll have to go back and watch. I, to my mind, it didn't, didn't seem as harmful as Finch kind of implied with that answer. But, I think that response and that result and that feeling of losing upside without Beasley out there kind of serves as some evidence that those two, Noel and Beasley, aren't exactly a one-for-one replacement. You know, for me, like I- I'd like for Noel to play. I-, I think he's a good player. It's just unfortunate in the context of the roster that he plays a very different game than Beasley does, and that makes... It, it makes him a pretty significant change in the rotation from Beasley, even if he is playing the same position, if that makes sense. 
Noel is just more of like an Edwards type of player, and that role isn't really available on this team, at least off the bench. I just wanted to note that here tonight because in a season where I think I've definitely harped on Malik Beasley more than I've praised him, that I think I think the Wolves missed him tonight, or at least they missed the idea of what he could bring. They they needed the bench tonight. They needed they needed like an 18 to 6 run at some point when Embiid was off the floor. And without Beasley, I think we learned that this bench group isn't really capable of that. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up tonight with a few notes on the game by just kind of running through my prize picks. I made four picks tonight, went two and two. Uh, one pick I got correct was the over on 19 and a half points for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, D'Lo picked, picked up in the first half right where he left off in that Memphis game. Memphis gave me a 23 points in the fourth quarter. He had 17 points tonight at halftime, finished with 21. So he got the over there. I do think D'Lo is back into one of those offensive rhythms that we've seen from him a few times this year, middle of a, I guess, a hot stretch. And they're going to need it so long as Ant is semi in this funk that he's been in. Uh, the other pick I got correct was the over on a combined eight and a half points, rebounds, and assists from Matisse Thibel. thought that was really low. Um, but also, this is becoming a trend uh, against the Wolves where the opposing team's clear fifth option on offense has kind of been killing them. Think back to the Chicago game right before the break. Javante Green, he had 23 points when the Bulls played the Wolves. The next game against the Pacers, O'Shea Brissett had 22 points and 12 rebounds in the Pacers game. Last night, Zaire Williams had 21 for the Grizzlies and on the Thursday matchup. And tonight, Thibel scored 11 points, had seven boards, and tacked on a couple assists. So we did hit the over there, and I'll need to go look more closely at it, but most of those players, the Javante Greens, the Brissettes, the Williams, the Thibels, that they are the player that D'Lo is getting hidden on to be able to do his free safety thing. So, I don't know. I just want to kind of put a pin in that to note that this might signal a trend that the D'Lo free safety thing is beginning to become scouted or or taken advantage of by the other teams. The two picks I got wrong were the over on 11.5 rebounds for Joel Embiid. Embiid somehow only wound up with 10 boards. He had no offensive rebounds. That was crazy. Uh, and then the other one I got wrong was I took the over on Vando, uh, his total of 16.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Uh, Vando was on pace for that. In the first half, he had two points, eight boards, and an assist. But the benching in the second half took away uh, the possibility to to get over that. So overall, two and two on the night. That's now 128, 105, and eight on these picks on the year. Still over 500, dropping a little bit after these two games. If you are wanting to still get in on the prize picks mix, you certainly can by going to prizepicks.com or by downloading the prize picks app. They will throw you a $100 sign-up bonus if you sign up using the promo code DANE when you create your account, just my first name, and the promo code when you sign up for an extra 100 bucks in your account. All right, fortunately for the Wolves, uh, Dallas also lost tonight in Utah, so the Wolves stay three and a half games behind the Mavs for that five seed. Denver did not play, so the Wolves move from two and a half games back to three games behind the Nuggets. And unfortunately, we're going to have to start including the Clippers in this little standings watch thing we do. Uh, the Clippers beat the Lakers tonight, so they are now only one and a half games 
behind the Wolves. Wolves are at seven. Clippers are at the eight right now. For the Wolves, it's a back-to-back up next on Monday and Tuesday in Cleveland on Monday and then back home for Golden State on Tuesday. I mean, they're going to need to take care of business in at least one of those two games to stay ahead of the Clippers because the Clippers play the Rockets in their next two games. We're just we're just at that point of the playoff push where you, you got to take care of your own business. Otherwise, you're going to fall in the standings. And for the Wolves, that starts in Cleveland on Monday. I'm going to end the episode on a positive note. I I will say that the Wolves win in Cleveland on Monday by 20 points. I, I think they they will crush them, which I know maybe sounds dumb, given that the Wolves lost by 32 at home against Cleveland when they played them back in December. But I think their odds against the Cavs on Monday with no Darius Garland and no Karis LeVert, I just, the, the Cavs aren't going to have any offensive creation. I think that's something the Wolves defense specifically can take advantage of, kind of generate turnovers out of that, get into that identity that we talk about. I I think that will happen if both Lavert and Garland miss the game. Lavert is definitely out. Um, he's out for like two weeks, and Garland is kind of up in the air. He's not playing on Saturday, but you know, who knows? Maybe he'll be back on Monday. Either way, I'll stick with my pick. Next time I talk to you, the Wolves will be coming off of a 20-point road win in Cleveland. Some positivity for your weekend. I will be back to talk to you on Monday night. Until then, enjoy your weekend. I'm Dane. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.